Yes, I'm a fan, but I bring to the table, well, a little bit of physical therapy, but I'm concerned about society and sports, racism in sports. Hey, look, I served in the military. 20 plus years in the United States Army, tired officer, three combat tours to Iraq. Now, this is when he was in his raw, raw state. I mean, meat eating, raw, rare, eating flesh, all kind of this carnivorous, this mean and scary guy. And, uh, we wanted to just share with y'all, maybe even crow a little bit on where our Lakers are right now. We're with the Dodgers and the Braves, and Dodgers getting the break speed off of them. And then games, don't turn the ball over. And that's their bugaboo is turning the ball over and giving up too many points on defense. The defense hasn't shown up yet for 2020. This episode of Take It to the House is brought to you by Mesa Trophies and Plaques. Now, take it to the house. I'm Vic Herbin, and I'm taking it to the house. I'm Dr. Timothy Hoover, and what I want to take to the house is Happy Thanksgiving to you all, and welcome to Taking It to the House. I'm Jania Hoover. Welcome to Taking It to the House. Victor, what do you have for us? I'm a little upset today. I've been thinking about this colossal failure of the Ravens for the last three weeks since the last time we spoke. And of course, we didn't air last week because I was in protest. I was not in any good shape, nor good TV shape. And that's very unprofessional, I know. But to even put myself on air last week to discuss the despicable and the debauchery of the Baltimore Ravens, it was, it was not necessary for the fans and our audience. So I'm still a little steaming a little bit. But other than that, I think I can get ready for Thanksgiving uh, tomorrow. But I'm not in the best of places right now. Definitely not in the best of places, considering how well October treated the city of L.A. and myself. But other than that, I'm good. How about you? What I'm taking to the house is on Monday night, um, there was a first in Monday Night Football. And it was uh, for the first time an all-Black officiating crew. And this was all over social media. Magic Johnson had a tweet where he talked about it. And my burn is with a lot of the comments that were in response. A lot of them were from people that aren't Black, but there were lots of comments about why do we have to say this and what if there were an all-white crew and how come we have to point this out? Isn't this racist? And fun fact, there have been all-white officiating crews a whole lot, like a lot, 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 lot. And simply pointing out that a disparity exists is not racist. It is simply drawing notice to the fact that out of all of these people that are playing in this league and have been for decades and decades, it has not happened until November of 2020 that you've actually had an all black officiating crew. And I would love for us to get to a point where we don't have to acknowledge all of these. This is the first black person to do this. This is the first black person to do that. But until we come up with a fairer way to do things, it is noteworthy. And for the record, they called an awesome game. 
What do you have, Uncle Tim? I agree with you. We had that discussion offline about the, the game itself, and I'm looking back and trying to remember if they blew a call or if it was poor officiating. And so I would say they did a fantastic job just as professionals. And so given the opportunity, given the chance, they succeeded and exceeded probably most expectations. If we're talking about referees after the game, during the game, then I think they should, we have a problem. Referees should be silent. They should be officiating the game. They shouldn't be deciding the game. And I thought they officiated the game very well, start to finish. What I want to share and take to the house also is mental health right now. In my Bible, in Ecclesiastes, it talks about there's a time for every season. Right now, we're going into our Thanksgiving season, but yet we're in the middle of COVID. We're going into the holiday season, but yet we're in the middle of COVID. And my Bible says, this too shall pass. But the thing that I want to bring to light is your mental stress. Holidays already bring a, a certain amount of stress. I'm thinking about our athletes going through this. They're dealing with COVID. They're dealing with families. They're dealing with Christmas. They're dealing with the holidays. And here we are. And so I want to say, if you're going through and suffering through any mental illness, mental stress right now, call somebody. Let somebody know. You may be suffering and not even know, but acknowledge where you have a friend or family member that may be saying you're going through stress. Actually, the body does pr produce a cortisol, and so that cortisol can lead to anxiety and high levels of stress. Well, guess what? Our athletes get an opportunity to work that stress off. As a fan, as a family member, and a loyal uh, listener and viewer of this show, I'm asking that you work your stress off. Identify when you are having those high stress moments. So Tim, Dr. Hoover, me, just identified we're going into a holiday season. It is stressful. I pray that you get an exercise program going for yourself. Reinvent yourself. Find yourself during these moments. And, and I pray that if you find your levels of stress, that you be and reach out and call somebody. That's, what I, that's one of the things I'm going to take to the house. The other is sports injuries. We have had a great amount of sports injuries. And so with your permission, Jania and, and Dr. Herbin, uh, I, I would like for us to delve into the sports injuries. We've had several of those recently. I, uh, it gets to a point where it's very unfortunate. I uh, know I can look at the football and we look at right now, they're even starting to identify COVID as a reserve or injured reserve category. But from a medical novice as myself, and of course my doctorate's in organizational leadership, I'm just really intrigued from your perspective of just the amount of injuries that are happening. Is this as a result yes. of the lack of preseason? Is this a result of lack of conditioning? Where, why are some teams experiencing more catastrophic injuries, more recurrence of injuries, like we look at the 49ers? Last year, yeah. a, a Super Bowl continued team, in fact, a team in the Super Bowl. Yet this year, snake bitten snake bitten by the rash of injuries. And so when I start seeing that, it's very disappointing. One, just as a, you know, used to be athlete type thing, but also as a fan, because I want to see the best players out there. And that definitely gives opportunity for those players that you may not see as much, give them more opportunities so they can play. But it's still unfortunate when you see some of the best players not able to play. A Drew Brees injury, for, for instance. To hear that he had, I believe they talked about 11 broken ribs and then a punctured lung. Uh, that's very concerning 
because he they're right in the midst of a playoff run. They're right in the midst of uh, winning the division of the NFC South. But yet this is the second year in a row that he's encountered almost a season-ending injury. And so when they start talking about he has the opportunity to come back in three weeks, and I'm thinking about broken ribs. I mean, that's almost like being in a car crash. And to say that you're going to get back out there into the field of play, to me, I just don't understand it. So anything you can add more insight when I look at these injuries and what does it really do to the body? What does it do to the player? What and, and then psychologically, and, and this that piece is, is kind of intriguing, but yet alarming. I'd be happy to address that. One, you were talking about not having a, a preseason, not having a, a training camp. COVID bit the, the breaks off of the normal normalcy, excuse me, for the NFL. So some of these injuries are just buzzards luck and let's call them occupational hazard, hazards. Drew Brees, occupational hazard. Uh, Dak Prescott, occupational hazard. Just playing their sport that they love and due to the uh, the high levels of impact, velocity, wrong angle, force, you have these rib injuries and you have an ankle dislocation and fracture. Joe Burrow, for instance, uh, having the MCL and the uh, ACL tear of his knees, those are occupational ha- hazards. What the fear was before the season started was soft tissue injuries. We're talking about these guys having uh, fractures of the bone or fra- uh, bone bone factors are broken ribs, but soft tissue injuries are a little bit different. We're talking about muscle strains, pulls, you know, tweak of the ankle, those kinds of things. But these injuries that we're having right now are, are a little bit different. Yes, the 49ers. What were you doing, 49ers, when you were told that the COVID hit? Were you taking your training seriously? Were you, did you quit on your team because you, did, you thought you were young enough or you were in shape enough that you could just restart? when they said the NFL season was going to start again. No, you should have taken it serious. So part of training camp, working out, having a, a, a viable training program is to prevent a lot of these. So yes and no. Did the preseason, lack of preseason, lack, lack of training camp add to these? Yes and no. I want to break down Joe Burrow's uh, injury. The ACL can be repaired, not even worried about it. MCL, they can be repaired and he will return to normalcy. But it's a meniscus, which they haven't revealed. If you have a meniscus tear repair and they have to take it out, that's the, that's the particular soft tissue that I'm more concerned about with Joe Burrow. The meniscus is the cushion for the knee between the tibia and the femur. And without the meniscus, it's gonna to lead to osteoarthritis, again, occupational hazard, but however, it's going to be a problem. It can shorten his career. I'm not concerned about the ACL, or the MCL, I'm concerned about the meniscus tear on him. Drew Brees, you brought him up. 11 fractures of the rib. Every time we breathe in and out, he feels it. Well, the ribs are one thing, but what about the cartilage that are separating and holding the ribs together? How about getting back into the game and then you knowing you're gonna get hit again? I don't care how many flat vests you have, it may limit the impact, but it doesn't stop the crushing effects of a 300 pound lineman falling on you. And then you talk about the psychology of it. Will he be the full true uh, Drew Brees behind the line, calling plays, knowing that you got somebody coming at you with the full intent of putting you out of the game? That's their job. So I would, I, I hesitate whether or not Drew Brees will be back in three weeks because of that injury that he has 
Uh, I believe he's going to last a little bit longer because bone takes usually six to eight weeks to heal. And so he has 11 fractures, 11 opportunities that he needs to heal. And we're not talking about the cartilage damage that he may have suffered, nor are we talking about the punctured lung that he had. So they're being very optimistic, three weeks. I don't see that happening. And then what kind of, what kind of player will he be? What kind of leader can he be uh, as a quarterback for the St. Louis, excuse me, for the, for the Saints? And then, yes, it's all about an athlete psychology. They want to get back on the field. And sometimes we have to protect the player from themselves. So I say hold him out until he's fully healthy, which is going to take a little bit longer. If I'm playing defense and he's in that game two or three weeks from now, I'm doing all I can to hit him. And if that means I'm telling that my uh, defensive coordinator or the head coach, hey, coach, let's take 15-yard penalties at least once a quarter. That 60 yards I'm ready to give up because I'm going to lay him out every time I can. A late hit, on the time hit, a below the belt hit, doesn't matter. He's going to get hit because if you're telling me psychologically it can impact his play, and I know he is, he could be the difference between my team getting to the Super Bowl and not, I'm taking my chances. One, again, yes. why would the coaches even place him in the lineup and on the field of play when you already got a two-game lead on the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers when you know it's going to take you about five or six weeks to heal the ribs? Hey, Taysom Hill, play, uh, Taysom Hill played well, but why would I put my franchise quarterback who's 43 years old back in the lineup to risk those? You talk about cartilage. I mean, that's some significant things where I don't think his body's going to heal the same. So I'm, I'm hitting him if I got the chance. So I want to say this, too. He is 43 years old. If he's back in three weeks, what are they using? What are they doing to get him back? You can get an injection to help with the pain, but you're not healed yet. And so one thing about adrenaline, one thing about the player's mentality, they can get on the field. They have a high pain threshold, and adrenaline does mask that. With an injection, yeah, he can, but he's subjected to more damage if he gets out there too soon. We know a lot, thankfully, to your um, PT experience. We know a lot about the healing of these types of in injuries and the time that it takes. We know less about this virus that we're all dealing with, but it's really interesting to me to see how it's playing out in the league the longer that we progress. And, you know, earlier in the season, we were hearing, you know, these cases and then boom, they're moving a game. They're, they're canceling a game. What I've noticed the last couple of weeks is we're hearing about these positive tests after the games are ending. And it took until we're filming on Wednesday, it took until this morning for us to hear after positive tests for Baltimore that the game is gonna is no longer being played tomorrow on Thanksgiving and we're stuck with the Lions and the Texans and the Redskins and the Cowboys, and it's now being played on Sunday. So my question, Vic, what, what's changing? Why, what game are they playing and how is this gonna, how is this gonna play out? Yeah, I, uh, well, for first, for starters, I think that's the best game of the week for the Ravens, postpone the game. Because what they did against the Titans, what they did the week prior to that, I don't need to see them embarrass themselves. So it's probably the best game of the season for them not to play the game. So I'm happy about that. But already going into that game, we're going to lose Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, both are running backs, and a host of defensive players. So 
I'm, I'm happy that the NFL made that decision, but I'm not happy about how long it took them to make the decision. Again, that was going to be the prime time game for uh, Thanksgiving evening. So if you know some of your star players not going to play, again, it goes back to the money discussion we had a few weeks ago. Why would you risk yeah. placing that game on where you could have flexed another game to play? And so those are the things where what are those contingencies? If you know you're having, you have to plan around COVID, that is part of it. They decided to have a full season. So you should have games on tap and say, all right, this team cannot play this contingencies. What is the, what's the best game so these players can at least prepare their bodies from last Sunday for this Thursday if they got the call? And so it's, it's really unfortunate, again, because now we're later in the season. And as you get later in the season, the games become even that more important. So Baltimore six and four against Pittsburgh Steelers who are 10 and up. Baltimore needs that game. So even if you play it on Sunday, what players do you have to play? Well, you know, your whole season could be right on that. Cause right now they are looking into the playoffs. They are actually in the hunt. You are third place in the division, looking up to the Cleveland Browns. And this year for, for NFL, they gave you seven teams to be in the playoffs. So you're not even one of the seven teams. So again, the later this gets, the more significant COVID is in how the league is planning because now they're running out of bye weeks. And it goes back to what I said before. They could have had a four-week season, four weeks at a time, two-week break, four weeks, and it's, it's piecemeal it so that when you do get a positive, let the whole league reset. Because to your point, you had Baltimore played last week against Tennessee Titans who early in the season had a bad breakout. How do we know, because they tested positive on Monday, that Sunday some of those guys didn't infect some other players on the Tennessee team? It's a league-wide pandemic. So protect the players. Say what you say and mean what you say. So, again, as, as Dr. Uh, Hoover says, Dr. Tim Hoover, you can miss me with that. That's what I say about that. <laughs> yeah, my take uh... – I, I see your problem with the test, seemingly finding positive tests after the game. What, what's going on? Are we not getting these results fast enough? How about before the game? Why are we subjecting the other team to potential, the other team that they just played that Sunday to potential uh, COVID-related illnesses? And so I, I would look at the, the protocol, number one. I, I would look at maybe just the timing of when the results are coming in, because I know some of these tests can be read within 15 minutes. And so what is going on? When is it, when are they taking the test? And then what are the results? Or when are the results being revealed? So I have a problem with that as well, Janine. And so you make a, uh, Dr. Hoover, and I apologize, you make a very good point on the, the timeliness of re re revealing, excuse me, these positive tests. And so because of that, that lag, we have another 53 main man roster and staff that are potentially subjected to COVID, uh, uh, positive COVID. So I don't like how it's being done right now. And as a fan, if my fandom is interrupted, then I have a problem. Okay. So I'm trying to, uh, I wish that the NFL would look into and review how this is being done uh, as far as testing, revelation, and then identifying and then minimizing the risk of the other uh, team uh, as well as the, the present team that they're being uh, playing for. So good point. Yeah, I mean, the other side yeah. is they're talking about the close contact piece. 
but this all done in isolation. Okay, so J.K. Dobbins gets positive. Okay, well, he's in the locker room with the offense, but only with the running back. So now we're going to isolate them as opposed to saying, we're going to shut the whole team down. There shouldn't even been a proposal for a game to happen on Thursday once they had the positives on Monday. Shut everything down. You're going to shut down the facility and then say, well, these five players can't play and we're going to assume that the other players are healthy. No, let's make let's take the worst case scenario and say the whole team got infected. If you get in your household, they locked down your whole household, even though one person got positive. So if you got a 53-man roster plus your staff and one player gets positive, shut the whole team down. And then even play the team that they play. Again, that's why it's haphazard leadership in crisis management. Take, you know, stop looking at the dollars and look at the player safety. And the plan is not thought out well. And again, as the as the season gets later, we're already in week eleven. It's going to become even more significant and more impactful for teams to uh, uh, impact their playoff chances. Yes, agree. Yeah, and when you talking about the playoffs, I'm thinking about the Ravens, you know, trying to get in. So they were supposed to play tomorrow on Thanksgiving. That game is now pushed to Sunday. Well, now they have to play again next Thursday against the Cowboys, who are going to have a whole week to rest. So say what you say about the Cowboys. There's a lot to say about them, even though they're coming off of a win. Um it, it, it's just an unfortunate situation all around. And it just, it's just not the best in terms of how we should be responding to, to this pandemic. But to be honest with you, we're seeing what's going on outside. It's just being reflected in, in within the NFL. And if you look at the NBA, we saw an example of what could have happened. And, and we, we hope that things, as they progress, would be closer to kind of that model. But I think that was just, um, it, was, it was just a, a, a blink, you know, a flash in the pan. And it'll be interesting to see as we're about a month away from, a little under a month away from the NBA kickoff, um, how things play out when they're actually playing an entire season. Well, first, before I go into the NBA, I need to apologize to my co-host, Dr. Victor Herbin. We asked last week about the NCAA, will they finish the NCAA? And I agree with him 100%. They're going to finish it up. NFL, they're going to finish because it's all about them dollars. It's really not about player safety. And so to his point just right now, <clears throat> they're going to finish. They're going to figure it out. They're going to make it work. And I, I'm, I'm just... Uh, apologies to you, Dr. Herman. So they will finish it. The NBA, I am extremely excited, y'all. December 22nd is just, what, a few weeks away, uh, less than a month. And we just had the draft last week. Uh, free agency was on and popping last week. Why am I so happy? Well, if y'all saw the very first episode, you know what I'm a fan of. And if you didn't see the first episode, let me tell you what I'm a fan of, who I'm a fan of. I'm going to tell you all about me in just a few minutes. Just give me a second here. I'm Tim Hoover. I'm from Southern California. I am a Dodger fan, and I am a Laker fan. We're talking about the NBA right now. Well, y'all know the Lakers won, and they are reloading. Somebody asked the question, could they possibly be better now than they were last year, and they won the championship? And I said, yes, yes, and yes. They replaced Dwight Howard. They replaced JaVale McGee with Montrez and then uh, uh, Harold. Uh, 
and then uh, Gasol, Mark Gasol. So at the center position, we're much better. You got rid of Rondo. He didn't sign his in free agency. And so we got through free agency trade. I don't know how we got him. I don't care if we stole him. But we got Dennis Schroeder from OKC. It don't matter how we attain him. And Rob, I trust, Rob Lincoln, the general manager for the Lakers. So did we reload? Are we resetting? Great. The question that I have is who is our closest competition? I really don't know. It was, could have been the Clippers if they had maintained their integrity of their squad, but uh, don't know what's going on in Clipperland. And no, LA Lakers run the town. And then on top of that, you got the Golden State Warriors, Clay Thompson with his significant Achilles injury. It hurts. I thought they were going to be the, the biggest challenger, even with the Clippers being in tech. I thought the Warriors coming back healthy were going to be the greatest challengers for the Lakers. But however, it could be different. But Vic, I toss it to you, my brother. The NBA is around the corner. I wanted to know how you feel about it. What are your thoughts? In the words of my favorite movie character, Scarface, the Lakers are saying, okay, I'll reload it. Yes. <laughs> yes. You want to get that uh, that back-to-back championship? <laughs> Look, we can tip off tomorrow. I know LeBron's like, early Christmas for me. Come on, man. You're telling me the sixth uh, the, the, the sixth player of the year in Montrez, right across the street, he said, look, I ain't playing with this JVT. They got to reload on the bottom level. You know what I'm saying? They got to replace the doggone coach. That You had two superstars in Paul George and Kawhi and Montrez. Like, you know what? I say the Staples Center, and I'm watching jokers up in here become champs. I'm tired of playing for chumps. And then you talked about Schroeder. Yes, thank you, Rondo, for helping us out. But to get us a point guard that's going to have that nasty, that grit, and he's young, man, I know he's laughing the luxury. You got to talk about you being in Atlanta purgatory in OKC, and then you get to the laps of riches of L.A. He's going to come hungry. He's going to come humble. And he's going to be able to learn from one of the greatest players of all time, LeBron, and then be side-by-side uh, side with A.D., Oh, that front four already, that front, that starting five for the Lakers are looking nice. So, again, the West, the balance of power has been shifted. Unfortunately for the Golden State Warriors, they're really going to be excited watching them come and compete against a fully healthy Laker team. And a fully, uh, you know, that would have been nice nice TV. So, the West, it's the Lakers, again, uh, to lose. The East, I'm interested how the Nets are going to do. I would say, on paper, the Nets look the best. But again, now they got a rookie head coach in Steve Nash. And they got two character players. Kyrie Irving, who thinks that the world is flat. And Kevin Durant, who has his burner accounts and really sensitive. So to watch how they interact is going to be very interesting. So because they, on paper, they look great. I would still have to give it to Miami because they are the defending Eastern Championship. Uh, very interested to see what the Celtics would do, considering it's lost Gordon Hayward, even though he's not the same Gordon Hayward he was in Utah. So it's going to be interesting, but definitely for the West, we know Lakers are running through it, and I got I'm hands down give it to Miami. I'll be interested to see what the Bucks do, but I'm excited. And to Jania's point earlier, how will the NBA redefine itself? I'm rooting for Adam Silver because he gave me great basketball. How are you going to do it for 72 games? Do you do a bubble regional? I would like to see that plan because they just had a draft a couple weeks ago. Now we're three weeks out from NBA tip off. What does it look like? 
learn from the NFL's mistakes, and give me quality basketball. Give me quality basketball because I'm a really frustrated fan right now from NCAA football and NFL football. So give me something I can believe in. Obviously, I'm excited about what the Lakers are doing uh, and have done and will continue to do. Unk, I'm with you and Rob, we trust. For the East, though, I'm going to watch Atlanta. I'm going to watch what the Hawks are doing. I like Trey Young. I think that Rondo being there, he can add that spark. So they're going to be they're going to be my team to watch. Obviously, I used to live in Atlanta, so they're if I had a number one team, they would have that spot. But um, as we close, that's my that's my final my final burn is is what is going to happen in the NBA. How are these uh, games going to play out? How are these injuries going to play out? We're sitting here talking about the Lakers looking great on paper, but at the end of the day, they still have to play the games and they still have to be healthy. You know, the the the, the ticket to a championship is you know, that chemistry, as well as a little bit of luck as well. So I'm excited to see how it plays out. My final burn is simply uh, Diego Maradona uh, lost his life uh, today. Uh, so he was the first soccer player of the international level that I ever paid attention to. Uh, he did tricks with the ball that I didn't think was possible on the soccer field. So uh, to his family and to the soccer nation uh, internationally, uh, great loss today with Diego Maradona. That's my burn. Vic. As we celebrate Thanksgiving tomorrow, we do have a lot to thank. Thank you for our viewers. Thank you for our producers for allowing us to have this outlet and this forum. Thank you for my uncle and my cousin that we can do this together as a family. Um, this has been a very rough year for 2020 for everyone in America, everyone in the world. And so I just ask everyone just to be thankful. Be thankful because every day is not promised. Every week's not promised. If you have those loved ones, reconcile if you need to. If you have a loved ones you're close with, tell them you love them because every day is not promised. And so this should be a different Thanksgiving for everyone as we do a, a serious time of reflection because we do not know how the next six weeks of this year will go. But I just ask everyone uh, to really take that time to uh, love one another and really enjoy tomorrow, really enjoy Thanksgiving. This really is the truly the season for giving. And just, just take that time of reflection. Now.